Hello. Hi, John. Oh, hello, Dan. How are you today? Good. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm a little. I'm a little perspiry right now. I've been doing some yard work this morning. Oh yeah, out in your in your new yard in your new house. Yeah, yeah. I've. Uh, we haven't talked I've about reached... your, your new house. Living in it. No, no, that's right. Um, I'm not living in it. I'm in that. Uh, I'm in that place where. Uh, I can't move in yet because I have work to do, but the work is, is, uh, it's a heavy enough project that I can't do it by myself. So I have to hire some people to help me and hiring people is not my favorite thing or my strong suit. Mm. And then once you hire them, then you got to have a plan mm-hmm. and I have to do some work before they can start. And so, although I now own this cool house and I'm ready to live there. Yeah. I'm looking ahead and I'm not going to be able to, I won't be able to really move in there for two more months. And so today kind of out of a feeling of sort of frustration, not resignation, although that is always a threat. Mm-hmm. Resignation is one of my big enemies in life. But today just out of like an abundance of frustration, rather than go inside and do the prep work I need to be doing, I went out and just took my frustration out on some English Ivy <laughs> for an hour and a half. And you know, English Ivy, I mean, decades of coiling up guitar cables and power cords has prepared me to coil up miles and miles of English Ivy biomass, <laughs> but pulling it out of the ground, <laughs> although English Ivy biomass, mm-hmm. <laughs> Pulling it out of the ground, although it is like relative to other plants, fairly easy to dislodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also like goes for miles. So you grab a hold of a a uh, English ivy vine and you start pulling, and you could just keep you just pull you pull all the way lead, across the street. Lead you around the whole backyard, yeah. the whole front yard, yeah. and one one thing, yeah. Yep, and one out, and you're pulling up logs, and you know, and and <laughs> raccoons and frogs, and they're all up in this bundle with you, and so, right. <laughs> so you know, it's it's uh, it's heavy work, and I'm living in a neighborhood now where most of the yards are meticulously maintained by hired landscapers who come in trucks with multiple power tools, and they clip everything so that it's just like Bob Ross's hair. <laughs> and uh, that's never been my way. I don't, it's not that I, I mean, I used to work as a landscaper. I have nothing against hiring landscapers, but for whatever reason, all of the shirking of labor that I do in my regular life, I do not want to, I love to get into the dirt and the branches and clip and chomp and mm-hmm. And do all the things. So although my property will take a decade to clear and it will, <laughs> it will break me doing it. Right, right. Um, and eventually I'll probably, once I get it all s- sort of sorted, I'll probably hire some people to do things that I don't want to, that I don't want to have kill me. But, um, but yeah, I'm and I and I, Dan, I really look forward to it. I really do. You yeah. know, the work on the house, I enjoy. 
I enjoy that kind of stuff, but it's very easy for me to look at um, some carpentry that's ready to be carpented Mm -hmm. and say, oh boy, well, you know what? I should have just let that wood season for another day or two. Mm -hmm. But if you put me out in the yard with a pair of gloves and you say, go do that. I'm like, you know, like I don't even, I don't think about it twice. I just go right out and start weeding or, or pruning or whatever. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the yard is, the yard is a big part of what I love about my new place. But the thing I don't love right now is that I, I'm not living there and I can't even. What is the big project (sighs) that you, you can't do on your own? Well, so when I was looking for homes, you know, the, the whole reason I'm able to own a home as we've talked about is that I, it's because of this show. It's because of our amazing uh, patrons who uh, can support the show by going to patreon.com slash roadwork. That's right. There's going to be, there's going to be benefits to that soon. You and I've been talking about some Patreon benefits. One of the coolest ones I ever saw. In fact, Uh, no, it's because it's because 15 years ago, my band had two good years and rather than spend all I mean, all that money rather than spend the money that I made, which amateurized over the 15 years I'd been in a band came to about a thousand dollars a year, <laughs> uh, profit. But you know, it came at once and I put, and I've just put all the money into the down payment on a house. And it was at a time when the market was high at the time, nobody thought it could go, you know, or I, I'm sorry, at the time, everybody thought it was going to keep going up forever. <laughs> and then of course it spent eight years in a total slump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but, you know, I had money in a house and a lot of my friends, most of my friends, when they got a similar windfall from their band at whatever time, some, some of my friends got much more, much bigger windfalls, but they bought a car and they bought some guitars and they bought some, I don't know what fancy dinners. They bought a lot of booze and, um, and I put my little money into a house. Well, then I sold my house this year as we, as we've discussed at length and, um, and I suddenly realized, oh, I get, uh, I understand it now. I mean, I understand the whole American capitalist process, mm-hmm. like the money, I didn't do anything. The money just grew on its own in the form of real estate. But I bought this house for less than I sold my last house for, uh, considerably less. And I did it for two reasons. One, it was a good deal because the house needed fixing. Mm -hmm. And two, that was my whole plan all along. I could not, I I honestly did not want to sell my house and buy a more expensive house, even though that's like probably what you're, I don't know. That's what most people do. I just didn't believe, I didn't believe in it. I thought it should work the other way. I put a lot of work into that house and I should start again with another, with another shabby house. So that's what I did. I'm very glad, but I went into the bathroom and I took a piece of tile Mm -hmm. off of the, a piece of loose tile off. I knew what was waiting for me. (laughs) What what was waiting for you? Well, there was some dry rot that Mm -hmm. was waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And so... Then I began to take the tile down to find the extent of the dry rot. Now, I knew this dry rot was there. There is absolutely no way that there wouldn't have been dry rot 
in this wall. It's it's not the reason the house was inexpensive. It's mm-hmm. one of many reasons right. that the house was inexpensive. And I and and my my problem, of course, was that I've seen a lot of houses where somebody went in and dealt with the dry rot that they discovered and made it fixed. But the problem with that is you have no idea how fixed it is. Did they go in and spray the dry rot with a can of uh, WD-40 and right. then put some Lowe's tar paper over it and right. spackle it? Or did they go in and take every little bit of, of bad wood out and rebuild the thing and put in water ba- barriers and so forth? So I didn't want to buy a house that somebody else had maybe not done a good job. I wanted to do the good job myself. But as I pulled the tile up, I started to see that there was, yes, some dry rot mm-hmm. that had attracted some carpenter ants. Ah. And that had also produced some crazy sort of mm, inner wall moss. Uh, (laughs) Really? Plus giant spiders. And there was, I think there was a seagull in there maybe. Oh, come on. So I knew that this was, I knew this was all in my future. And, uh, so, and I'm, and I'm, this is also work that I'm just like, do, 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 because, because I'm. I, I like it. I like to do that stuff. I'm not scared by it because I know when you look at a problem like that, it's like, well, you just have to tear it out and you put new, better stuff in and you try and do a good job. And I'm a little bit too meticulous of a of a construction person mm-hmm. um, because of it's just my nature. to. Kind of, I'm not somebody that puts four nails in when one will do, but I'm someone that will work to get the dovetailing to be perfect or, you know, work to work to have all my joins be beautiful, even though they're going to get covered over with drywall. And, uh, so like I spend more time if, if I were hiring someone to do the work and they spent as much time as I do, I would be very mad at them, but because I'm doing it, I'm in there just like, just happy as a little clam, you know, and if I bend a nail, I'll take it out and I'll work on making it straight again mm-hmm. rather than throw it in the garbage and take a new nail. Oh. Because I don't want to waste nails, Dan. They're mm. perfectly fine. Yeah, no, sure. And it's not, it's, it's not that I'm frugal. So, no, isn't other there kind of. some strength? We need uh, Dr. Drang or whoever to weigh in on this, but isn't, if, if you bend a piece of metal yeah, and then you bend it back, doesn't it, it lose some of its inherent strength or integrity or something if you do that? Well, it depends. Are you making a sword in a forge? In which case, uh, maybe no. I am. Maybe I'm making a it sword makes, out of a nail. It makes this sword stronger. But if you are bending a nail and then bending it back, yes, I think you have you've compromised it. But you know the but nail. But you would still use that nail, and you'd sleep at night thinking, "Man, that nail. That's the weak no, one." No, the thing about thing about a nail is, you know, the nails. Most of the time, when you put a nail into something, it's not like the nail is particularly weight bearing. You know, the nails just kind of like. Make, it's tacking it. It's tacking it together most of the time. Sometimes the nail's doing some heavy heavy lifting. Depends on the nail. Depends on the spot. You know, if I'm like, if I'm putting in some big structural nail and it bends, I'll I'll use a better nail. But if I'm just like tacking up some horse shit, <laughs> there's always you know what? There's always another. There, the weight is always going to fall back on another nail. 
anyway, I've been pulling this stuff down and, um, and I think I've reached the extent of the problem, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the creeping, the, the creepy, the way the project creeps, of course, is that you get in there and then, and then you're like, well, since I'm here, I might as well wire it all for sound. I yeah, might as well right. put nest in everywhere and mm-hmm. make it so that my, you know, the, the, all of my light bulbs can talk to me and I can, you know, get stock quotes on them. No, I'm not doing that, but I am, you know, like my plumbing is galvanized, which was fine until I pulled the wall down. At which point, why put the wall back up before you replace the old plumbing? It's not the plumbing, the old plumbing is not bad. Why wait for it to go bad? So that stuff. And that's where I need to hire people because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to throw out that. And then, of course, my good friend Ben is an architect. And, you know, when you have a friend that's an architect and you buy a house, you kind of owe it to them to let them design your house for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. I, I guess. I guess so. You know, it's really it's more of a favor I'm doing for him. Right. It, yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's happy to do yeah. it. Because he's just like, oh, man, you know, hey, John, can I help you re- redesign your house? And I'm like, okay, fine. Anyway, he has come up with, I think, a very elegant solution to some of the flow, some of the chi flow problems that were happening. Uh-huh. People weren't as conscious of chi in uh, in Normandy Park, Washington in 1955 as maybe they should have been. Right, right. Ben's got high chi. For a guy from Texas, he's got a lot of chi. Oh, really? More than most yeah. Texans have? Well, there's a lot of different people in Texas, so I can't say that. You yeah, know, it's a big, Texas is, got, big uh, Texas is a big country. It is a big country. Uh-huh. Um, and he is, uh, he is 100% Texas. Um, but he's, you know, he's the, he's, he's one of them philosophical Texans. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, Texas has almost 30 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What are some they're countries all here in Austin right now? <laughs> Why are they in Austin right now? <laughs> it's just it seems like it based on the traffic oh, we right. have nowadays. It's it's gotten real bad here. Don't move to so Austin. Looking, no, don't even don't even drive to Austin. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, countries with thirty million people: uh, Angola, Ghana, Mozambique, Yemen, Nepal, Venezuela. Madagascar, these countries all have a population similar to uh, Texas. How does their geographical landmass compare? Peru, um, Uzbekistan. Uh, well, let's Peru, see. That's Peru a very is the same question. number of people as in Texas? I believe that Peru and so Texas has 29 million and Peru has got 32 million. So, so Peru's that's a little the same. bit more that's, than Texas. What's 3 million when you're rounding? Yeah. I feel like I feel like Texas and Yemen have about <laughs> the same population. Right. Uh and Yemen has uh in terms of land area uh we're looking at about 527,000 kilometers squared. So 500,000 kilometers that's interesting. Now, how many? How how big is Texas? Texas. See, this is the best part about the internet. Texas land area kilometers. Um, Texas is a lot bigger than Yemen. 
almost 700,000 square kilometers. Wow. Yeah, so you got more more elbow room in Texas than you do in Yemen, same amount of people. If you're if you're trying to decide between living in one or the other. <sighs> yeah, so so I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this stuff. I've got to once the guys are there to do the plumbing, I said I figured maybe why why don't I have them do the tiling? That's also a thing that I would have done meticulously when I was 32, but now that I'm 51, I don't want it. You know, I don't want it to tile. My knees hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if the, if they're going to do the tiling and the plumbing, you know, might as well farm out the electrical to them. I could do that, but you know, it's real, it's tough work on your hands. Yeah. Electrical work really, it hurts your knuckles. And you know, all that's going to cost money, of course, and take time. And it's going to be even more involved because I'm going to be standing there the whole time going, so what do you guys, what, so what are you doing right there? What's that? What do you, what, 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 uh, what do you, I'm going to try not to do that. That's what I'm, I'm going to be out in my yard, pulling up English Ivy. And every once in a while I'll come in and say, how's it going in here? Mm-hmm. Try not to, you know, it's going to cost me twice as much if I stand around talking to these guys. <clears throat> yeah. But then, Dan, once it's done, you know, then I'll just, I'll live in this house like a, like snug as a bug in a rug. And, um, and all this time I sent a text to John Syracuse yesterday. Oh yeah. Because in February of last year, my laptop quit, just, just quit totally fritzed. And, um, I was in a panic because of course, uh, it was really about this time last year that, that I, uh, I was in a really tough spot. You know, I had decided that podcasting was going to be a thing that I really was invested in. It was going to be my new career. I'd been doing it with you and Merlin for a long time, just yeah. sort of as a, as a fun sort of sidebar. But now I had these two other shows and I really was spending so much time on them and neither one of those shows was producing any income and they were, and they required, you know, five times more work. And then my computer died. Yeah. And so I called, uh, John Syracuse. I mean, I asked everybody and it was really John who was the most enthusiastic to reply. Mm -hmm. And he designed a computer for me. He said, here's what you want. Here's all the specs. It's a custom job. Mm -hmm. And I pulled the trigger. I, I, cause I have a friend that works at Apple. I called them. I said, I want this computer. Let's get it going. Let's, let's get the wheels turning. And the mean, and I talked to my friend at Apple and he said, you know, why don't you send your laptop in and see if it can be fixed. And the, and they, the Apple's, we're like, well, it can kind of be fixed. Maybe it's more worth it to just get a new one. And I was like, ah, yeah, but like, isn't there something you can do? You know, wink, wink. Anyway, they got my laptop working again. Well, in the meantime, this big computer shows up that, uh, that I ordered that John Syracuse designed, but at that point I was selling my house, so I didn't right. open the box, put the box in the corner. Um, and then I was, you know, sleeping on the couch here at my baby mama's house and the computer went into storage 
and I got nervous about it. How could you not open being... a new computer, John? You're in- insane. Well, there's no, but there wasn't any place to put it. It's I mean, a laptop, right? No, no, no. This is a this is a desktop. Oh, it's a full. It's a desktop computer. Yeah, it's a big desktop. Did you say it's that like and big... I missed it? No, I must. I not assumed have. you were a laptop guy. You've always been a laptop guy. Well, I am, but I bought this big machine. Oh my gosh. In order to this, well, that um, in and of itself is is a big deal. Well, yeah, because I was at the time thinking like I'm going to set up a big studio and I'm going to have a big computer on the table and it's going to be and I'm going to have it all boxed, you know, I'm going to hook all my cables into it and it's going to have, it's going to be connected to speakers and it's going to be in a room that has lighting, all this stuff. You know, I had this vision, but of course the vision came before the, uh, before the the, the the space or the time, you know, like sometimes that happens, right? You're like, I know what I need. I need a switchblade and you go get a switchblade and it's like, I don't need a switchblade mm-hmm. or, or, or you think I, I will need a switchblade in two years when I, when I finally get initiated into this gang. But right now it looks stupid. They won't let me carry it. I don't have my chip and tote. So this computer then, I got nervous about it being in the storage space, and I brought it over here to uh, my baby mama's house, and I tucked it under the shelf in the entryway of the house where it sat. And now I have a new house, and I have moved the computer over there. Well, we're coming up on the year anniversary of me buying this computer oh, in two gosh. months. It's already, it's already obsoleted. And it's, been, it's, just sitting, it's never, never been opened. And that feels maybe not like a victory. Um, it doesn't sound like a, vi- a victor over what? Well, computers are expensive. It, I mean, it, it, it does not feel like a victory, like a personal victory. Like when I look at it, as, as you know, I'm someone who is always looking around for evidence of my own failure and incompetence. Uh-huh, and this, right. is an, this is a thing that sits there in the entryway of this house and now in my new house. And just broadcasts um, to me every time I look at it that I am a, that I'm a numbskull, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I think, well, maybe I should try and, you know, save the day and open the box and set up the computer. I'm like, set it up where, dude? Like, put it where and do what with it exactly? Hold on a second. I, this is rewind for one second for me. You decided you were going to get a new computer. You were in limbo in, in your life at the time, buying a house, etc. You travel a whole bunch. Why did you not get a laptop again? Why a desktop machine? Because podcasting is going to be your life? My main machine because is a laptop. I, I, had, I had a vision where I, would, where I had a... And this is maybe a recording studio um, kind of mentality. I see. But I had a vision where everything was wired, where the connections were all connected. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever seen Moby's studio. Yeah, you know, I was hanging um, out there just last night, actually, with Moby. <laughs> But, but he did the thing that a lot of... Gone uh, in 60 Seconds theme song. 
Is that is that right? Is that yeah. what? Is, well, was that I was helping. Yeah, I was helping him remaster it uh, last night. Moby did the thing that a lot of of uh, dudes uh, who build studios want to do, dudes and and dudettes, which is he has one of every kind of synthesizer. Oh yeah, like the old is it? Do you say Moog or Mog? Moog? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. You would say Moog if you were talking to a musician. If you were talking to someone who wasn't um, like a musician that insisted on saying Francais, you would say Moog because that's what it looks like to normal people. Apparently, it's called Moog, and we used to yell at each other about this back in the old days because we all called it Moog for a long time, and then the smarties were like, it's actually called Moog, and then it was one of those. Okay. And now you have to say Moog. Otherwise, it feels like you're trolling. But you also still have to say Moog to anyone else who doesn't. It would be like saying, oh, did someone play the, um, oh, what, what is it? It's, um, I was just talking about this. Uh, the, uh, the, the theremin. Uh-huh, yeah. That, that, that gets played on pet sounds mm-hmm. is not a theremin. It's uh, an instrument that was made um, to sound like a theremin, mm-hmm. but actually it's uh, it would be like controllable. Right. And um, because a theremin is not really, you can't, it's very hard to get it to be in pitch. And so the actual instrument is called uh, like something like a tannerman or something. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, I'm very familiar with the with the theremin, but I did not know this very interesting bit of uh, information. So, so a tannerin? No, it's a. I guess it's a tannerin. Tannerin. A tannerin is basically a theremin, except it looks, uh, except it has like uh, little notations. Oh, it has little key key looking things on it. Yeah. So you can actually play it in pitch rather than you know, is this, just constantly be searching for a thing. Did you ever have this thing when you were a kid that was a little, it was, it looked like, it looked like a keyboard, but it wasn't actually a keyboard. It had a set of faux piano keys that were metal. They did not move. And you took a stylus that was connected to the device by a wire and you would slide it up or tap yeah, on the different, sure. and, and this almost feels like a, what, what was that thing called? I'm going to have to look that up. But, but this almost looks like, yeah, tannin, Tannerin. This almost tannerin. looks like a grown-up version of that kid's toy. Yeah, it's a, well, and those kid's toys, of course, get used uh, by real musicians because anything that makes a sound will get used by somebody trying to make <laughs> yeah, a sound. I've seen there's somebody, there's somebody on YouTube that like records full-on, full songs, mastered and everything, uh, the covers in, in that. Yeah. With those little devices. But, but Moby's studio is very uh, inspirational because what he did is um, what, what, every, what every studio owner dreams of doing, which is he hooked up all of his synthesizers in racks where they're all plugged in all the time. Oh, that's awesome. And it's called, by the way, John, it's called a stylophone. A stylophone. And it's, it came out in the early 70s. And you can still buy them. I'll put a link in the show notes. It is $24.95 Stylophone Retro Pocket Synth on Amazon. So if, if anyone wants to relive their childhood memories, they still make them. 
Yeah, we, you should have some Amazon thing where they go buy them and then yeah, you get paid, Dan. This, isn't that, this is going to be how I put my that, kids through college. Yeah, isn't that the the old way? Yeah. Isn't that how Merlin Mann put himself through college? Yeah. Anyway, when I say plugged in, I don't mean plugged in like plugged into power. I mean patched in. Mm-hmm. And having everything patched in is... Um, is a kind of dream. You don't have to get the thing out and figure out how to plug it in. It's just already, it already has its own sort of channel in your patch bay. And you just, you're like, I want to use my Juno 60 and you go push a button and there it is. And so I had that dream. Well, the problem with having a laptop is every time you pick it up and take it somewhere, you unplug it. And although you're not unplugging it from much, you're only unplugging it from, uh, USB probably and power. Uh, the thing is then you took it upstairs and now you come and then now you're down there and you want to do something and you've got something else running on the other one. And I was just like, I want a dedicated, I'm a professional podcaster now. I want a dedicated computer that I'm going to use for two things only making music and making podcasts. I'm not going to sit on it and go on Amazon. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at the internet on it. I'm just going to do my recording on it. And then the laptop, I can sit, my old janky laptop that doesn't work anymore, I can sit and look at Reddit on that and just whatever, throw it in the garbage. But it ends up that I'm still using the laptop that got repaired and I and and I have this computer in a box which which represents this dream, you know, this dream I've been talking to you and everyone about for a year and a half now, which is this dream that I'm going to be, that, 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 that what my life looked like in 2017 is not going to be my life forever. And, and now it's almost 2020 and, and I still have not completely, you know, made the switch and this computer just, it's just one more kind of, um, when I packed up and left my house, I forgot to bring a belt. Mm-hmm. Now I have a lot of belts and I put all the belts in a bag and I put the bag of belts in a box and the box with the bag of belts went into a, a bin and then that bin went into a larger box and it got put into a, to, to a space somewhere. And I just, I wear belts, you know, I had a belt on the day before I probably had a belt on that morning, but I, for, for whatever reason, all the belts went in to the bag, which went into a box. And for the last eight months, Dan, I have not had a belt my pants have been falling. You couldn't have, you couldn't have bought one right in eight well, months I or taking like a, taking a rope and sort of hoisted I could have, it around. But the thing is, I, you know, my feeling is like, I have enough belts. I don't need a new belt, but I can't find those belts. The only, I'm, I'm not going to see those belts again until I'm, until I'm fully moving into my new house and all my things are there and I'm going through, uh, I'm going through boxes and I open a box and there's a bag and I go, that's the bag I put the belts in and I pull the belt out and I'm like, I've got a belt finally. But in the meantime, you know, I'm, my pants are falling down and 
And uh, I'm at an age where your pants falling down, it, that's not cute anymore. You know, it's not, it's not even cute when you're 20, but now it just looks like, oh, a guy, you know, you get that, you get, you start to get that build, that old man build where it's like, it, you get, your pants don't fall, don't stand up. That's not, that's not how I want to, how I want to look. Yeah. So that's just an example. Like I don't have a belt and I could go buy one, but, but that would just, I don't, that would feel like even more of a defeat or it would feel like I was committing to living like I'm living, which is to say out of a bag rather than saying, no, I am, I'm my eyes are on the prize. I am already almost in my new house with like a new bath mat, all the dry rot's gone. And then I find my bag of belts and I'm, and, and, and I can mark it as a victory, right? I can, it, uh, I'll feel the triumph. I'll feel the accomplishment. But the last thing I want to hear from any of you computer people is that my, that my unopened computer is obsolete. I don't want to hear it. I want you to tell me that it's fine. And I want you to tell me that it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like it, they are extremely expensive things, but like, all you have to do is get in one car crash and, and that the, the computer feels like a very small expense relative to how expensive yeah. it would be to be in a car crash. True. You know, every month you pay a mortgage payment. That's basically depending on where you live, probably the cost of a computer just to keep a roof over your head. Yeah. So, you know, money is fake. It's a construct. Hmm. It's a construct is right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We would like to say thank you very much to Health IQ. Are you averaging eight hours of sleep per night? Do you eat a quality diet? Maybe even a plant-based diet? Good. Do you exercise four or more times a week? In other words, are you doing all of the stuff that you need to do to ensure that you have a healthy, long life? Well, Health IQ asks, isn't it time you be financially rewarded for your commitment to a healthy lifestyle. That's what Health IQ is all about. They use science and data to get you lower rates for your life insurance. That's what they're all about. So if you're a runner or a cyclist, if you're into CrossFit or you're some other kind of athlete like me, if you deadlift, if you're a vegetarian, if you're a vegan, they feel that you deserve that you should be rewarded for this hard work with better and more affordable life insurance rates. They can save you up to 41%. Why? Because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. This is true. Now, at Health IQ, this is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. But again, this is a special rate for people like us who care about our health and who work really hard at it. So to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash roadwork. That's spelled H-E-A-L-T-H, healthiq.com slash roadwork. There's a proprietary Health IQ quiz, and depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premium compared to other providers. So again, that's healthiq.com slash roadwork. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. (laughs) 
Yeah. I've managed to I've managed to pull defeat from the jaws of victory in the last 20 minutes. I don't know how I do it. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you do it either. I uh, I I think I think your computer's probably fine. I think it will probably Thank you. Thank you, do everything that you needed to do. It's not obsolete yet. Thank My, you, Dan. Uh, here's an example. I had we had our family iMac was from gosh it was six years old so it would have been from 2013 and uh and it had slowly was having a hard drive failure so things just kept getting slower and slower and slower and it it didn't matter there were it was not a software thing it was a hardware thing and uh and so i in order to update the hard drive to replace a hard drive inside one of these things you've got to take the whole screen off and I talked at length with Merlin about this on, on Back to Work at some point, but there are these little kits that you can buy. Uh, iFixit sells them. And they have little suction cups on the front, and they have special tools that, that cut around the edges of the screen to you know break the adhesive. And the kit even includes brand new adhesive to let you stick it back on per- perfectly hmm. and make it like factory fresh. And that come with the hard drive. So that you can pull it all off and take the whole thing apart and put in a new hard drive. And I did that. And, uh, and it was like a brand new computer. It felt almost as fast as, you know, as, as a, well, not quite as a brand new iMac, but it was much faster because mm-hmm. we were going from a spinning drive to an SSD drive. So it was a wonderful experience. And it's now become my son's primary computer. And he uses it to do his homework and play games, mainly playing games. And this is a computer that's six years old. So I think your one-year-old computer is not obsolete. I think it will be fine. You just sort of lost a year of its, of its potential lifespan, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm, uh, that's basically how I'm, how I'm looking at it. Lost a year of its potential lifespan. Yeah. You know, so if, if it would have lasted you six years, now it'll last you five. And now well, you get, but you, you know, can... the the last computer I had, um, I, you know, I still was using it like twelve years later. Yeah, but that's not that's not a good thing. Yeah, right. Well, uh, right. I, I I understand, and that was part. That was another part of why I felt like I needed to get this computer pronto because I had these other computers that were that were like failing right in front of my eyes that mm-hmm. the, the smoke was pouring out of them. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about these, you know, the Anna banana computer and the other computer, Yeah, these old computers, uh-huh. old, old, old computers. They didn't even have, you couldn't even buy cables that connected them to new things. And, um, and so, you know, and there it was, the, it was that thing where they weren't going to, they just, I wasn't gonna be able to get my stuff off of them. Mm-hmm. If I didn't move fast, I may even now be too late. I don't know. Let's not talk about computers, yeah, I Dan. I don't want to stress they're you so, out. They're, they're so frustrating. There really aren't any good computers out there if you really think about it. Like I have a really good computer, but in like, it's really not that good. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's really not that good. No. No. I, I, I've been reading a book lately. Mm-hmm. Like a paper paper thing? Yeah. Um, there's a... Uh, this friend of mine, uh, a man by the name of uh, Wesley Stace, mm. who um, uh, Wesley uh, lived here in Seattle for a long time, um, 
but he is a he's a an Englishman in America, like a, like a Cambridge boy, and uh, he's a musician and a novelist, and uh, he lives in Philadelphia now. Mm-hmm. He just sort of uh, co-wrote slash ghost wrote. Uh, the autobiography of Mark Morris, who is a famous choreographer and dancer mm. uh, who uh, grew up in Seattle and then went to New York and became a uh, internationally acclaimed choreographer mm-hmm. and now is uh, retired from dance, but is, you know, I think still uh, designing dances. He mm-hmm. doesn't himself dance anymore, but he's written this autobiography, sort of his fascinating life. And he's coming to Seattle to do a um, uh, to do a book reading at the town hall, which is a big it's a big venue. Uh, it's the place in Seattle. It's a it's a former Christian Science Church that has become kind of the um, the place where all the literary events happen. Mm-hmm. A literary event that's too big to happen at the bookstore, or um, you know, it's like in conversation with. It's that kind of place. And so Mark Morris is coming and he's going to be in conversation with me. I'm going to be talking to him about his book and about his life at the town hall. And it's, and it's a, it's an event. It's kind of, um, it's an example of the type of thing that is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, um, this is the kind of thing that I can mature into doing as a member of the Seattle, uh, arts community. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm, that I am seeking it, but that, uh, that I'm getting this kind of call now rather than, Hey, can you play a benefit show for the, for, you know, the junkie foundation? Now it's like, Hey, we need somebody to talk to Mark Morris about his life in dance. And your name came up, you know? And, and so, so I, I, I said yes, because, because I'm interested in him and, and in it, but also because it feels like if I, if I don't, I don't want to be an elder statesman whose, uh, purview is limited to music, right? I never did. I never wanted to just be the old rock person because I never was really that good of a rock person. And I don't mean that's not even to say that I'm I'm not talking about my music as Mm -hmm. much as I am just like rock people that are good at it are true believers. And I never was a true believer really. Mm -hmm. Um, I always was a rock person in context and never just like fully. So rather than get kind of, rather than like slouch into um, only doing things that are like, hey, let's get the band back together. Mm-hmm. The idea that the Seattle, um, that Seattle culture would find a place for me as someone who uh, did events at town hall that were broadly cultural. Let's talk to let's talk to this person. Let's talk to that person. And who's going to do that with us? You know, um, uh, that, that 
feels like even, even though I don't actually want to leave the house, um, at, if I can help it. Yeah. I said yes to this and I'm excited about it because it's a, because it's, it's a, um, I don't know. I'm, uh, it's not that I'm stepping into this arena, but I'm, but I'll do a few of these and then I, I think I'll be on um, the short list of people for them to call when it's time to do it again. Right. My, my, my friend, uh, uh, Megan Phelps Roper, who, who was the spokesperson for the Westboro Baptist church and wrote a book recently called unfollow. She came to town and did a book reading and I was her interviewer. Right. You know, I was, I talked to her at her event, but that was a, that was a thing where we knew each other from the world, right? right, or right. We, we'd known each other during that period. And so, so I was, I was her interlocutor, but, but, but as a friend, Mark Morris is somebody I don't know and I'm not part of the dance world. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a new, it's a new evolution. Anyway, I'm reading this book and you know, it's a hardcover book and I'm thinking, when was the last time I read a hardcover autobiography of somebody? It's been a long time. And I used to do it. I used to have hardcover biographies or autobiographies of people laying around on every flat surface. And, uh, and I'm enjoying it. I, I sometimes have to remember, you know, I'll be sitting there, I'll look at my phone and then I'll do the like, well, since I'm here, I might as well look at, Twitter and well, since I'm here, I might as well play a couple of games of Mahjong Mm -hmm. and then pretty soon, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and I, I snap out of it and go, wasn't I doing something? I mean, something else. What was I doing? Oh, I was reading a book (laughs) and I put the phone down and I go walk. Where did I put the book? You know, the book it's right. Oh, there it is. It's a book. And, um, and so I'm really, you know, I'm really digging it. I'm digging it and I'm digging like doing it, immersing myself in a culture that I, I, I like to think that I knew something about modern dance mm-hmm. 15 years ago because I went to a lot of performances, but I don't know anything about dance and it's invigorating to listen to him talk about it as art because of course talking about it as art the things he's saying are true of when you talk about any art and he's like this sort of unapologetic, um, advocate for the idea of art and for the power of art and Mm -hmm. for the, and he's unapologetic about his own, his own, uh, attitude toward art. And he, and he doesn't, if you try to interrogate him, he will, turn the tables on you. Like he's, he's aggressively himself. And that's exciting too, given how mealy mouthed everybody is these days, mm-hmm. how, how just apologetic everybody is. It's nice to read a book by someone who just is constitutionally unwilling to apologize for something they're not sorry about. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like loving dance or whatever, or doing what they want. So I'm excited about the, I'm excited about the event. I, it's, it's, it's unusual because I want to do a good job and I I don't mean that I don't normally want to do a good job, but, 
but I've been like, I've been working a little bit harder lately to try and do a good job and not, not be content to, um, sort of sashay my way through things. 